listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, episode number 32 for Friday, June the 7th. I'm your host, Carrie Martin. Water is everywhere. All of that water up in the Midwest that we've been hearing about, it's making its way downriver. We have flooding all the way from up near Wisconsin and Minnesota all the way down here to Mississippi and Louisiana. So we'll spend most of this podcast talking about it and the effect that it's having on Louisiana agriculture. We'll kick it off with a look at news headlines, and most of that has to do with the opening of the Morganza Spillway. Now that story changes by the day. We've been hearing that they're going to open it, but the latest news we've got as of right now is that it has been delayed indefinitely. And so we'll talk more about that and the effect that all of that water is going to have on Louisiana agriculture. In grassroots government, we'll head down to the state capitol where they're wrapping up this session this week. We'll check in with Joe Mapes. He'll give us an update on what's happening at the capitol. We'll talk about a few of the bills that we've been hearing about all session long and get Joe to give us an update on things as they wrap up minute by minute here in the last couple of days of the 2019 legislative session. We'll go in the field to talk with Luke Says. He's a farmer in Avoyles Parish. And again, we'll talk about the water and what effect that is having on Luke Say's farm there in Avoyles Parish. We'll check in with our regular market analysts. We'll have Grayson Close to talk about the grain markets. And Dave Foster gives us an update on the cattle markets. Both of those markets have been affected by all of this flooding. Midwest planting delays have boosted the corn market by nearly 50 cents over the last few weeks. And that has weighed heavily on feeder cattle prices. So all of that has a trickle-down effect all the way here to our agriculture in Louisiana. Then we'll wrap things up with a look at the ag calendar. All of that coming up, plus a very special song. We're going to add a song on the end of this podcast, so stick around. We'll play it at the end. It's by Taylor Fry. Taylor is active in Louisiana agriculture. She used to work with us at our weekly television show, This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. She still makes contributions. In fact, she just had a story on this past week's show. Taylor is also a musician. She loves to play the guitar, sing, and make music. And back in 2011, the last time that we opened the Morganza Spillway, she wrote a song about it because it affected her family and her family's farm. And we're going to share that song with you. Uh, Taylor sent that to us this week, and we're glad to share it along with you and enjoy some of Taylor's music about the effect that all of this flooding has had on farming families here in our state. All of that coming up on episode 32 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And it all kicks off right now. 
Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In farm news, all the water that has been flooding the Midwest is making its way downstream here to Louisiana. And our farmers are feeling the effects of a very swollen Mississippi River. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has been talking about opening the Morganza Spillway. They've set a date, put it off, set another date, put it off. But for now... We think the date has been put off indefinitely. However, if they do open that spillway, it will flood 25,000 acres of Louisiana crop and pasture land. Louisiana Congressman Garrett Graves. One of the things that we all have to keep in mind, and I think a lot of people lose sight over, we're at the bottom of one of the largest watersheds in the world. We drain from Montana to to New York to two Canadian provinces. And so a lot of the water problems we're having, the flooding problems we're having, they're not of our own doing. This is the nation sending us their water, the world sending us their water in in some cases. And and, and so we're seeing these trends of additional development and other changes that that have occurred that we're getting more water now. We've opened the Bonacare four times in four years. We used to open it once every 10 years. We've opened the Morganza Spillway uh, twice in 1973 and again in 2011. We're opening it again eight years later. And so um, just recognizing that some of the folks that are being harmed by all of this water, um, this is really a a pretty big deal that that we're paying the price for down in South Louisiana. And just recognizing that some of these folks that are being injured by all of this water uh, that's flooding Louisiana, they need the federal government to come in recognizing that it's the nation sending us this water. And because... Because of that, Graves feels like it's vital that Louisiana farmers and ranchers get support from the federal government. So, look, in in some cases, when when you look at what's happening globally, everything from some of the trade uh, wars that we're in right now to some of the commodity prices that we're seeing, um, you know, this in some cases can be the the straw that breaks the camel's back. And making sure that those folks that are eligible, that they receive some type of appropriate appropriate compensation to allow us to continue to have uh, this amazing agriculture industry and continue to feed not just the country but feed the world and so I think it's important um, to, to really keep in mind that this is this is water coming from all over the place and that we are seeing trends that are very different uh, than we've ever seen before in South Louisiana in regard to the amount of water that we're handling and there needs to be some type of consideration for the the greater effects just to make sure we can continue having farming families the effects of opening the Morganza spillway will be felt by Louisiana farmers and ranchers for a very long time. That's the opinion of Chris Gilbo with the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, and he says hurricane season could make it even worse. It's going to be a long, drawn-out affair. The Corps has told us to expect these levels through July. So we're going to go into August with this. We may go into heavy hurricane season with this. That bothers us quite a bit. The water itself, if it stays between the levees like it's designed to be, It's just a matter of time before it gets out. If I get some kind of tropical event in the Gulf of Mexico with a heavy southern wind or a tremendous amount of rain, we we could be talking about a different story come September. Gilbo says one thing is for sure. The 25,000 acres of farmland within the Morganza Spillway will be a total loss. Unfortunately, it probably is going to do some pretty catastrophic damage to those crops. And I know being in the spillway, that's, that's part of being in there. But... Uh, I think Dr. Strain has put out some great messages to all of the folks that are inside that spillway. Prepare for this. Prepare for it to be a long event. Certainly move any equipment, certainly any cattle, any livestock that all needs to be moved out as soon as you can. 
uh, and expect it to last a long, long time. And, and I guess that's just the way of life in Louisiana. We take 41% of the country's water right through our back door, through the Chafalaya and through the uh, Mississippi. So that's just the design of this country. And so there's not much we can do about it. And we can just get ready as much as possible. As Gilbo mentioned, Dr. Mike Strain, Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, has been urging farmers and ranchers to get ready for the water that's coming. Strain says it is absolutely necessary to open the Morganza, but he's making sure that the farmers who will be affected will be covered by crop insurance. The bottom line is that if we do not do this, then what will happen, the Morganza spillway will be overtopped. The water will go over and then we will have damage to the structure or we could potentially lose the structure. Now the good news is uh, we've been working on getting assurances from risk management that crop insurance would pay the farmers. Under crop insurance, if it's a man-made event, then crop insurance does not pay. If it is an act of nature, then crop insurance has to pay. And so in 2011, we went through this exercise and then under Secretary Michael Skews, was working with Secretary Vilsack. I've been working with Secretary Sonny Perdue and uh, Undersecretary Bill Northey and Richard Fordyce, both of which I served together. And as of about 12 o'clock, a little afternoon, I got a memo from the USDA and Office of Risk Management that they are going to cover the claims. That's the bottom line, is that working with the Corps, this is an inevitable, non-man-made, in other words, natural event, catastrophic flooding and if we don't do what we're doing, we're going to still get flooding. And so crop insurance is going to pay. Not all of the farmers in the spillway have crop insurance. So Strain's hoping to get some other type of disaster relief for those farmers. There will be farmers who don't have crop insurance. So also, as you know, crop insurance is going to pay at best 60. And if you bought up, maybe 70% of what your cost is. And so we're asking for, and Congressman Garrett Graves was there today. I've also spoken with Congressman Ralph Abraham today about trying to get language either in the current disaster bill that is in the House. It's going to be very difficult, though, because it's the Senate passed it, it's in the House, and it's going back and forth to add this flood event into the other disaster events uh, that that emergency disaster bill is supposed to cover. If not, we'll have to do it in another bill. As we mentioned earlier, the date for opening the Morganza Spillway has been put off indefinitely. We don't have a date right now. However, if the water keeps coming, there is still the possibility that all of that land could be flooded. The Louisiana soybean crop is like a lot of soybean crops across the country, wet. But Don Molino reports that the dry weather we've had lately is going to help quite a bit. Dr. Boyd Padgett, acting soybean specialist at the LSU Ag Center Extension Service, describes how the bean crop is looking right now. Well, I'd have to say that we're behind. Um, but what's up, what I've seen looks pretty good. We're about, according to uh, USDA, we got about 67% of our crop in the ground. Uh, that's, that's compared to about 85% over a five-year average where uh, last year at this time we were 92 percent planted so we're behind the, the silver lining is the fact that it's not raining right now at least in most areas uh, we did get a big rain this past weekend but up in the central part of the state we've enjoyed some some very good drying days that have that have been beneficial to the crop any reports of seedling disease anything like that no, amazingly not. I have not been called to the field for any any reports of stand issues that might be related to seedling disease. And, uh, you know, beans are pretty tough. Once they come out of the ground, they, they, uh, they're 
they're they're very tolerant of uh, a lot of conditions, even the flooding. Now, soybeans can survive underwater for a while, can't they? Yes, sir. Uh, beans can can actually survive anywhere from uh, forty eight to up to ninety six hours after they've been been flooded. There's actually two types of flooding that are associated with beans, just waterlogged soils, which are going to make the roots go anaerobic. Or you have situations where the plants are completely submerged. The amount of time that these beans will survive will depend on uh, a number of different things. If it's cool and cloudy when they come out of the flooding event or during the flooding event as well, that's going to help them out. If it's really hot and uh, you know sunny during those times, that's not a good thing. Uh, soils that are well-drained, of course, are going to be... Uh, be better for survivability of the of the crop and it actually depends on the on the variety as well so there's a lot of things that play into to flooding we actually had some some plants that went under for two days here on the station and and they look fine now so beans i, I would encourage the growers to wait at least seven days after after the flooding event to make a determination of, of whether or not they're going to proceed with the crop or do something otherwise. Acting LSU soybean specialist, Dr. Boyd Patchett. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Louisiana farmers have battled wet conditions all year long, but now many of them are turning on the irrigation pumps to maintain soil moisture levels. The latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report released on Monday shows topsoil moisture levels 11% very short, 35% short, 45% adequate, and 9% surplus. So once again, it looks like we may be facing the same situation we were in in 2011, where we had flood water everywhere coming down the Mississippi River and backing up into all the tributaries. The lack of rainfall causes soil conditions to be very dry. Now the planting numbers that came out in the report shape up like this. Soybean planting now 91% done. That is right about where we should be for this time of year. Cotton planting now at 83% done, just slightly behind the five-year average. So we've really made up a lot of ground over the last couple of weeks with the dry conditions that we've had. Winter wheat harvest here in Louisiana, 29% done. That is behind the 46% five-year average pace. Crop conditions shape up like this. Winter wheat, looking at 1% in the excellent category, 45% good, 37% fair, and 17% poor to very poor. Sugarcane crop ratings shape up like this. 5% rated excellent, 56% good, 31% fair, and 8% poor to very poor. For corn, 1% is excellent, 49% good, 40% fair, and 10% poor. And for soybeans, we're looking none in the excellent category, 59% good, 36% fair, and 5% rated poor. And finally, rice condition ratings in Louisiana show 8% in the excellent category, 63% good, 25% fair, and 4% poor. Louisiana soybean and grain producers fight a continuous battle with weeds, insects, and diseases each growing season. Don Molino has more. Charles Canatella, current chairman of the Louisiana Soybean Grain Research and Promotion Board, says the funding provided to researchers each year goes a long way to finding solutions to those problems. You know, every year is a new challenge 
when you're dealing with agriculture and the weather. So some of the biggest things we've seen is some of the growers are having problems with chemical resistant uh, weeds and pests. And so, you know, it's a never-ending battle. It's always something. Things look like every year there's a major problem that pops up. And, you know, your check-off dollars, all the growers check-off dollars help to solve those problems, whether those problems are just here in Louisiana or, or scattered out, you know, around the country. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. And don't forget, you can always check out our website to stay up to date, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com, or you can try the short version, voiceoflaag.com, voiceoflaag.com. We update that website every weekday with all of the latest news and happenings in agriculture in our state. While you're there, Subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. There's a button right there on the homepage of voiceoflaag.com. Click on that button. Just put your name and email address in there, and we'll send you The Daily Voice right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. so that you can stay up to date on everything happening in our industry here in the state. Coming up next, it's time to go to the halls of government. We'll check in with Joe Mapes down at the state capitol in Baton Rouge. The state legislature is wrapping up this year's session, and Joe will bring us the latest information on what's happening from the state capitol right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As the old saying goes, close only counts in horseshoes. So why take the chance with weather information when it comes to critical decisions with your fields? It's time to experience pinpoint field-level forecasts that are 40% more accurate than the competition. Experience the DTN Ag Weather Station. With this level of information, you'll know exactly what's happening at any time in your actual fields. This allows you to plant, spray, and harvest with a new degree of precision. Head to DTN.com today to learn more. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest on Grassroots Government is Joe Mates, lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joe, we're talking to you just an hour after the legislature has adjourned for the 2019 session. Uh, tell me how the session went. How are you feeling right now as far as agriculture is concerned? You know, Kerry, uh, it's a beautiful evening here on the west lawn of the governor's mansion. Uh, the session ended after 60 days very well for agriculture and rural Louisiana and Farm Bureau. We addressed several issues uh, regarding trespass issues, and uh, we did well there. There were three different pieces of legislation that we had to defeat. We did well uh, reassembling the farmer's card program where the inputs are sales tax exempt, like feed, seed, and fertilizer. We reassembled that. That bill was dismantled. That law was dismantled by a bill two years ago. Uh, we put back in landowners uh, will enjoy the same sales tax benefits as the farmer if they have a lease, written lease, or approval of lease income. And we also added the 4-H children and the FFA 
children back into the law to get their tax-exempt status as well. Joe, one of the biggest, uh, I guess, high-profile bills that dealt with agricultural was the labeling bill that Senator Francis Thompson had dealing with things like uh, cauliflower rice and almond milk. Uh, actually, I actually think there were a couple of bills. How did that issue end up? You know, Kerry, uh, we, we would have never guessed that issue would have been such a heavy lift, but that was a very heavy lift this session for all of us. We had not just us, but other commodity associations, the Sugar League, for example, uh, the Cattlemen Cotton Association, all of us, ha- uh, and, we, and it was still a heavy lift, heavier than uh, hemp, if you if you could believe. But uh, you know, the debate got 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 kind of crazy at times, uh, talking about uh, the issue. But I'll tell you, it's a very plain and simple issue for us. You know, maybe in ten years we're all going to be eating uh, meat out of a lab grown in a petri dish. But for now, the system that we got is a is a market that has been built over decades, if not hundreds of years, by farmers and a brand that has been built. And for the time being, uh, if you want to eat cauliflower, then it just needs to say cauliflower on the bag. And you can't use the word rice. And that's that's uh, that bill finally passed. Uh, we had we fought it out all the way until yesterday. We had a, a, another lengthy battle for concurrence in House amendments on the Senate floor. But we prevailed and won ultimately. So we're now the sixth state, I'm told, that has such legislation in place to protect our farmers and promote Louisiana. You mentioned the hemp bill. Did that pass? Is hemp now going to be legal in Louisiana? Yes. Two two bills passed. One bill passed decriminalizing it. So in about 20 days, uh, that law, that bill will make our state law match the federal law where in the federal farm bill they decriminalize hemp. Uh, we need to put in a structured program. We're not mandated to put in one before we start growing, but that's probably the direction that we'll head because that's the second bill. It was a structured program, industrialized hemp, that allowed growing, uh, permitting for farmers, for producers to, to grow hemp. Also processing of the uh, hemp into uh, CBD products, which is a big issue for everybody from soccer moms to uh, you know athletes that use it as well. But, yeah, so both bills passed. The second bill passed effective upon the signature of the governor, and we had a bill signing ceremony for that bill today at 2 o'clock. So it is law now. So we join, I think, 46 other states now in our abilities for our farmers to grow hemp uh, and process it and manufacture it and turn it into CBD and sell it. Joe, you mentioned early in the interview that there were some property rights bills that we dealt with. Uh, go into a little more depth on what happened with those and how things turned out. Uh, we killed three bills that would have changed the law drastically, and we refer to the to two of them at least as the running waters bills. And that's whereby proponents of such legislation claim that if surface water overtakes private property, surface water being owned by the state, then in effect that land is now quick take expropriation uh, taken over. Oh, okay. And so, so the fishermen alleged proponents of the bill alleged that since that's now state water, anything hovering in that water, like that fish is state owned fish. Hence they have, uh, access, they should have access to it. And of course we see it as a private property rights issue because we as landowners and farmers still own the property under the water and it can get complicated in the discussion. But the long story short, I testified against one of those bills in committee. And the bottom line is we started this issue 
in East Carroll Parish way back in the 1980s, and we finished it with a Supreme Court ruling, uh, I think it was a Fifth Circuit ruling in uh, 2007. So, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an emotional issue, but for us, it's, it, it's at the same time a simple issue. It's a property rights issue. And there was another property rights bill that said, basically, if you were going down the road, if somebody, if, if you allege somebody had trespassed on your property, you as the property owner had to go to court and prove by paperwork that you were the owner. Interesting. So just take the current trespassing law and flip it upside down is what that bill would have done. Well, as we've said many times before in interviews, Joe, sometimes it's more important to kill bills than it is to pass them. Yes, it is. I sometimes, carry. I think we ought to have a session where all we could do is repeal laws and not make any new ones. <laughs> Problem is we probably pull the rug out from under some really important stuff, though. Joe Mapes, he's a lobbyist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joe, I know you got some celebrating to do. You did a lot of hard work over the last 60 days, so go have some fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Kerry. Have a good evening. Bye. Well, just how wet is it out in the field? Well, we'll go in the field and find out. We'll check in with Luke Says, a farmer in Avoyles Parish. That's next, In the Field, on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field to talk with Luke Says. He grows corn and soybeans in Avoyles Parish. And like just about every other farmer in Louisiana, he is battling wet conditions with about two-fifths of his farm underwater right now. Luke says all of these problems really started a year ago. Well, starting from this time last year, it's, uh, it's been a really stressful time. You know, we faced a drought at this time last year, and since then, we've uh, we had a wet harvest, a very wet harvest. We were able to get all of our soybeans uh, cut, except for around 100 acres, and, and we had to take a pretty good uh, damage hit on those last year. And from then, it's just, it hasn't been, it hasn't been right since then. You know, we're uh, like trying to put in pipeline on places and haven't been able to do that. You know, we're just, it, it's put everybody in a, in a shortfall. Luke says he's had some corn acreage that's gone underwater several times so far this year, but on the acres that are dry, his corn crop is looking pretty good. In the places where the drainage is good, the corn crop is really good. Uh, the, the, the lighter areas uh, of the field have seep water issues, and you can't fight that. It's just the river has to go down to, uh, 
to be able to realize your potential, your yield potential. Um, the cotton crop so far it looks really good in places that drain well. It's all has to do with drainage this year. We have uh, a lot of places we of the 1,700 acres of beans that we've planted so far, we've had to replant about 800 acres of those. And despite all of these problems, Luke says his corn crop is just about where it should be at this time of year. It's normally tasseled about about right now. We may be a week behind. The, uh, the heat this last week's really kicked it into gear. Um, this, this field that we're actually standing in, we uh, irrigate it out of the river. And since the river's so high, we can't get our tractor pump in there. And so as of now, it's a dry land field. So hopefully we'll get some rain soon. The crop that we have right now is so short-rooted, um, it's not being able to take up all the nutrients that it needs to. So to limit the nutrient uptake, you know, we can somewhat supplement that with water. The Morganza Spillway is scheduled to open in just a couple of days. So how will that affect things on the Luke Says farm? From what we understand that the Morganza opening up will put a lot of water in the Chafalaya Basin. And the way that the, our river system runs through here, we're in the lower Red River Valley. So it may get inundated and uh, not, get, not be able to get out. And it may actually come up a little bit. We're not really sure until they open it up. We, don't, we really don't have any idea at this point. And that is one of the biggest frustrations that farmers have with everything that's going on this year. It's the uncertainty, not knowing what is going to happen with all of this water that is coming down the river from the Midwest and with all of the rainfall patterns that we've had here in Louisiana. We have no idea when it's going to go down. I don't really, I've never, I haven't heard yet of anybody that has an idea of the Mississippi getting to pool stage anytime soon. And if it doesn't get there, then, you know, the Red River can't drain into it and or where, you know, into the chapel and come back down. So, uh, you know, we really just don't know. And the window is quickly closing on getting the 2019 soybean crop in the ground. It's getting pretty close. Uh, I'd say, you know, right now we're a month behind our optimum yield window. Um, some of the better hired uh, areas that we can farm. Um, we could probably go to June 15th, maybe June 20th, and, and they're irrigated, obviously. And uh, so, you know, we feel like we could probably make a decent yield there. But after that, it's, you know, it's all downhill from there. Now, as far as prices are concerned, Midwest planting delays have caused a big rally in corn prices over the last few weeks. And Luke says that has been a big help, but the soybean market has a way to go. The corn price has actually had an uptick in the last week or two, and you know because of the uh, problems in the Midwest, so that actually looks pretty good because we're I say we're off on our corn yield already, but the bean price, which our farm is predominantly a, a soybean farm, and it's so far under you know where it needs to be that you know it's messing up our budget um what we need to spend where and stuff like that like it kind of holds us back on spending things on other parts of the farm so that we can make sure you know to keep our costs down in the in our, for for our soybeans 
of Oils Parish farmer Luke Says. Well, as Luke mentioned, the grain markets have been a little crazy lately because of Midwest planting delays. We'll take a closer look at both the grain and the cattle markets coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. Let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we check in with Grayson Close. He's a grain marketing specialist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Grayson, we've seen quite a lot of activity in these grain markets over the last few weeks. First, let's talk about what happened today. Looks like we saw a little bit of a climb in both corn and soybeans again. I was steady to unchanged today. Wheat did close lower, but uh, beans and corn ended up closing pretty much unchanged, up just a couple of pennies from yesterday, so not a whole lot of change. Uh, planting progress yesterday from the USDA is still showing behind normal, uh, and so that's setting a record at this point for being the slowest on, on record as far as planting base is concerned. We didn't even get a conditions report uh, yesterday because it's so far behind. Uh, still got some wet in the forecast in the Midwest. They are in the field now as we speak, and that's kind of what kept the lid on the market today. But we do have some more rains in the forecast, and we are still are keeping an eye on the tropical system in the Gulf as well. Well, Grayson, let's talk about the corn market, if you will. We have just seen this thing explode over the last few weeks. As you mentioned, planting delays in the Midwest being the big factor behind that. Um, do you know right off the top of your head uh, how much we've seen this market jump here over the last month or two? September corn has jumped close to 50 cents since the 1st of May. So uh, it's a pretty good jump, uh, All like you said, coming off the planting progress or lack thereof. Well, Grayson, this presents a great opportunity for our Louisiana corn farmers who did get a crop in the ground. Are you seeing a lot of activity, a lot of them pulling the trigger and booking some of this new crop while the prices are high? We have. We've seen some some guys put some hedges on the books and put some open orders in trying to get capture the highs in the market. Um, not a lot of basis trading going on right now. As basis numbers are not exactly where producers are wanting to be, although there are some booking some cash contracts just because the market is is in is in pretty good shape right now but overall uh still a few guys out there waiting not real sure how much corn actually got planted in the state this year 
So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens and, and how basis numbers react to that. Well, let's talk about the soybean market, if you will. I know now, of course, we still have a, a window to get soybeans in the ground, so it hasn't gotten as much support. But I know that, uh, you know, the corn market has definitely pulled the soybean market up with it. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, the the managed money positions are what's really driving these markets, and they're watching the weather and watching planting progress. They've gone from a net a net short in the corn market over 200,000 contracts to even in just a couple weeks' time, which is a huge swing. Uh, not one that you normally see in that short short period of time. It usually takes months for that to happen, and that's what's bought, bought the markets up uh, and picked them up to where they are now. Well, it's kind of odd to talk about the soybean market and really really not even mention China. Uh, that seems to be all that we've talked about here for the last uh, six months to a year. Uh, what is the Chinese situation looking like right now, and how is that affecting the soybean market? Uh, still Trade talks are still ongoing. I think, in my opinion, the Chinese are starting to stab at everything they can use to to get at President Trump, trying to outweigh him, hoping that maybe he won't be reelected uh, in this coming election cycle. But uh, it's just going to be a wait-and-see game. Who can wait the longest? And if President Trump is reelected, then they will have to come to the table. I think all these tariffs are, are hurting their economy pretty bad, and and. With the swan flu now confirmed in North Korea, uh, that's that's going to hurt them even worse as they're going to start running out of, of protein uh, to put in it for their diet. They do substitute a lot of chicken and poultry, um, but there's only so much of that out there, and there's only so much that the world can produce in pork, too, So, and it's not near enough to keep up with their demand. So they're going to have to come to the table at some point and, and, and try to get this thing hashed out. Well, Grayson, let's wrap up here talking about the wheat market. Uh, the wheat market, of course, uh, has just been in the tank for um, the last several months, uh, dropping down from six dollars down to around four fifty. But we've seen a little bit of a rally here, and it uh, seems like it came at a great time. The the little bit of wheat that we do have in Louisiana is being harvested right now. Um, tell me about what's been going on in that wheat market over the last month. Oh, we've, we've seen it pick back up along with everything else. Again, the, the managed money position is what's really brought it up. The bad thing about wheat is it's grown 365 days a year somewhere in the world, so there's never really a shortage. Uh, if you look at the world world scheme of things, where we're at today, it's still way overpriced to, to the nearest competitor, and that kind of knocks out a lot of demand, except for some of the more uh, you know regional people that would normally buy from us, such as Japan. Uh, so they're still in the market, but uh, overall, uh, it just kind of knocks us out of the market as far as pricing is concerned. Russia really beats us out on those by anywhere from 40 to 70 cents, depending on what they, what the market's doing that day. Uh, we did have a pretty good wheat harvest here in the state for the, like you said, what little bit was out there. Uh, still got a few folks bringing it in, but uh, it was nice to see the prices jump up when it did to help these guys cover the cost on that. Grayson Close, he's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot for the insight, Grayson. Thank you, Gary. And now to talk about the cattle markets, we check in with Dave Foster. Dave is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Well, Dave, we have seen a lot of activity going on in those grain markets over the last month. We just talked with Grayson about that. And, of course, anytime you see the corn market take a jump like it has, you're going to see that effect in the feeder cattle market. We've seen the uh, feeder cattle futures drop sharply. 
But uh, overall, corn market definitely has an effect on feeder cattle prices. What have you seen happen over the last few weeks here with that? Yeah, it, it, it has surely happened uh, that way. And, and what uh, what I thought could probably happen, it, it seemed like it was a really good uh, a test last week for the, for the slaughter cattle, the fat cattle market. Uh, they basically uh, held that... Uh, Held that market to around 115. I think the five area weighted average price is 115 and change, and so that was about oh maybe a dollar lower than the previous week. And so with that kind of being almost steady, uh, everybody kind of was hoping that this week uh, we would have uh, uh, you know we 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 kind of would hold that together and and maybe stop the falling of the, the, the feeders a little bit. Uh, they moved to quite a lot of cattle uh, Memorial Day week. Uh, they It was like 85000 and and uh, change, and so that was compared to about the same, a little bit more than last uh, last year. And so those things are kind of positive. And, and uh, yes, the, the futures really, I mean, it took a, a big dip on Friday. The feeder cattle futures were down – Five uh, five ten, and and that's uh, you know that that certainly is not a, a a good thing for us at this time of year. But again, um, the the thing that confuses me a little bit or worries me is what is what these futures markets can do to a live market uh, that that isn't fundamentally in the worst shape that it that is that they want to make that out to be. So. Anyway, here we are with, uh, with for us here in Louisiana, uh, where we'll be we'll be selling our fall-born calves in uh, this month. Usually June and July, there's just a little bit of an uptick uh, for those people that are trying to fill out the grazing deal for summer grass. We get a little bit of a bump up there, and that kind of helps us a little bit. That's certainly not going to happen. Uh, the markets opened up the first part of this week. Uh, they were uh, anywhere from six to seven, uh, ten dollars lower. Uh, so it uh, it will have a, a, a big effect uh, on uh, on us kind of uh, moving forward. And uh, and then I don't understand. I don't understand going back to the fat cattle market. Um, these packers usually they don't get anywhere close to being uh, very aggressive the first part of the week to buy in cattle. Uh, this week they were out uh, on Monday and they and uh, offering cattle at uh, at prices uh, anywhere from a dollar to two dollars lower. And so uh, I, I can't understand for the life of me why these feeders are going to. Uh, puke up cattle, so to speak, uh, when here's the Packers are kind of aggressive, aggressively wanting cattle, and, and why would they not hold on to the cattle and, and wait? Um, I, uh, I, don't, I don't really know. Well, Dave, do you see this all having an effect on our feeder cattle prices here in Louisiana? Uh, we're in the process now again. Like I said, our fall-born calves, some of those cattle are getting ready. Now, there are some, uh, for the last couple of weeks, our markets have been a little bit lower. Uh, that's mostly because three weeks ago we switched over from having mostly uh, long yearling type cattle, if you will, hard cattle, uh, cattle uh, that were uh, short yearlings, as we call them, so that they can uh, 
They're they're in thin thin flesh. They're good to turn out cattle, and and this past week, uh, we we all of a sudden our uh, our fleshy newborn calves hit the market, and uh, we've got more of them than we do. So that's part of the reason why we've had this big break here of uh, cattle being uh, feeder cattle being cheaper in our in our markets, uh, uh, just because of flesh fleshing conditions but going back to your statement carrie certainly it's right is uh that corn the uncertainty of the corn market uh, i just read some stuff the first part of the week where the uh, the plantings uh in the midwest and the corn belt area uh they're probably 20 to 25 points uh less or percentage less less than they were uh a year ago and yes it doesn't take long to for those guys to catch up, but uh, but we've got pastures and we've got areas and fields that are still uh, still wet. They're still getting some rains in part of that country. When you get to Ohio and Indiana, Indiana and Ohio especially, uh, they've been really hit with uh, a lot of rain and cooler weather. Uh, so they uh, they're dealing with uh, not only not only being able to get into plant. But they're they're certainly dealing with um, soil temperatures uh, not conducive to to growing right now. So so that certainly is a problem. Um, and so the big hype is: Will we have enough corn? What what will the price of feeders be? So they're you know they're they're reacting like they are, and and consequently, um, you know, our deal could be a, um, a little tough going through. So. For us here in uh, in Louisiana, it um, again many people aren't set up to to uh, uh, graze their cattle, to ryegrass their cattle, to stocker their cattle, or whatever. But it 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 may be something to be thinking about. It may be a, a situation where you know uh, when when time has a way of healing some stuff, we can get uh, into September and October. And uh, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows how much that flooding and all those tornadoes and stuff in the Midwest and the mountain states caused uh, with, uh, with, again, with calf death loss? Are we going to have enough cattle? Those are all those sorts of things happen to us. And we here in the South, we've got the ability to grow that grass and forage. And we can wait a little bit if, uh, if we need to. So, we we may have some alternatives, but it's uh, this is not a good week for sure uh, in in the cattle business in Louisiana. Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Thanks a lot, Dave. You are so welcome. We'll pull out the ag calendar and take a look at what's happening in Louisiana agriculture. The ag calendar is coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 
to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have several events coming up on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. First up is this Saturday, June the 8th. It's T.B. Porter's induction into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. The famous Louisiana cowboy T.B. Porter will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in Natchitoches. It will be broadcast on television. If you get Cox Sports Television, you'll be able to watch that. So I've got my DVR set and ready to see T.B. Porter get some long overdue recognition for all of the great things that he has accomplished in his lifetime as Louisiana's best rodeo cowboy. June the 11th, the LSU Ag Center is holding a rice field day in Vermilion Parish. They have several of these rice field days coming up. I've already had a couple of them. Uh, Then on June the 12th, it's the LSU South Farm Field Day in Crowley. And then again on June 12th, another LSU Ag Center Rice Field Day. This one will be held in Acadia Parish. So several of these LSU Rice Field Days on the calendar. If you want more information, check out their website, lsuagcenter.com. On June the 14th, the Ag Leaders of Louisiana is holding their second annual golf tournament. This will be held down in Plaquemine, Louisiana. And then on June 20th through the 23rd, It's the state's largest farm gathering. It's the Louisiana Farm Bureau's annual convention in New Orleans. Again, that's Thursday, June 20th through Sunday, June 23rd. For more information on the Farm Bureau Convention, you can check out their convention website. It's lfbfconvention.org, lfbfconvention.org. A couple of other events that we want to talk about on the Ag Calendar. Coming up next month in July, we've got a couple of workshops that if you're in the livestock business, you may definitely be interested in. And to talk about those, we go to Taylor Fry. She is the coordinator for the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative. How are you doing today, Taylor? I'm doing great. Thanks, Carrie. Well, tell me about these workshops that you guys have coming up. Okay, so on July 12th and 13th, we're hosting a workshop with David Pratt, Uh, The name of the workshop is Secrets to Increasing Profit with Dave Pratt. And we're co-sponsoring this event with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation Livestock Advisory Committee. Tell me a little about Dave Pratt. Who is he and what does he do? So Dave uh, works with Ranch Management Consulting, and he helps ranchers transform their ranches into profitable businesses. And Taylor, I know there's a big difference between knowing how to raise livestock and how to raise livestock profitably. So that's what this workshop is really focusing on. Right. One of my favorite quotes that he said is, knowing how to raise livestock isn't the same as knowing how to run a business that raises livestock. And I think that a lot of ranchers out there do it as a hobby and do it um, for fun, but there's a difference between making profit and just having fun with it. So, and I think Dave's going to do a great job of explaining to people in Louisiana how to be able to make a profit. If someone is interested in registering or coming to these workshops, where can they go for information? They can register at our website, louisianaglci.org. Space is limited and the registration is $50. And so they can hop on over to our website and register there. Again, the dates, July the 12th in Crowley, July the 13th in Alexandria. It's called the Secrets to Increasing Profit Workshop with Dave Pratt. 
Well, Taylor, before I get you off the phone here, I want to talk to you about something else. We're going to wrap up our podcast today with some music. And this is some music that you made yourself, a song that you wrote and recorded. And it has to do with a lot of the things going on right now in Louisiana. Water everywhere, flooding, farmers dealing with uh, uh, you know all of the issues that go along with Mother Nature's wrath that we're feeling right now. Right. Tell me about this song. Uh, give me a background on it and what it's about. Yeah, so... I was born and raised in Morganza. My dad is a row crop farmer and crawfish farmer and a cattle producer in the spillway, in the Morganza spillway. And so back in 2011, uh, the last time they opened the gates, he called me and said, uh, Taylor, you need to write a song called Too Much Water, Not Enough Rain uh, because there was a drought that year and they were watching the river rise. Uh, while they were praying for rain, they were watching the Mississippi River rise and they ended up opening the gates and it flooded about 3000 acres of, of our land. And so I wrote this song um, and I, I kind of tried to not just make it about Morganza, but just the flooding that people experience all over our state this year and and uh, all over our state, like people have this year and all over the nation. So that's that's what the song is about. Well, here it is. It's Taylor Fry, Too Much Water, Not Enough Rain, wrapping up the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks so much for your time, Taylor, and thanks so much for this beautiful song. Thank you, Carrie. water came and flooded everything but our little town remained the same you look at black and white pictures and you know that if it happens again daddy's crops won't grow it's hard to believe it happened anyway it was the year of too much water not enough Bud says he remembers like it was yesterday The river rising, mama crying as they drove away The fields were flooded but their faith remains Seeing water, no trees just ain't the same He said it's not as hard this time around And we'll keep on praying Too much.
swear it's the end Tornadoes and earthquakes Now the flooding begins Well if this is it I'll say goodbye I'll love this place till the day For listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.